0: I'm Joe Jacobson at Wickham Wanderers, and you're listening to Wickham Sound.
1: The Wickham Wanderers Show.
2: Good evening, and welcome to this week's Wickham Wanderers Show. It is Luke in for Colin, who's back on the subs bench. Hope your week has gone well. Coming up in the next hour, as always, we'll have our post-match debrief with Phil... Uh, Looking back to the 3-0 win over Port Vale on Saturday. Uh, You hear from Gareth Ainsworth and Joe Jacobson as well. Uh, We have our former player chat as always with former midfielder Scott Donnelly showing his memories on the club. Uh, We have a behind-the-scenes look at the Wickham Wanderers women reserves team. Uh, That's with Ellen Dean. And a little bit later on, a trip to New Zealand as well. Uh, And of course, you'll hear from Gareth Ainsworth, uh, who spoke to Colin earlier on today at this week's uh, press session. All of that on the way. However, we start the highlights from Saturday.
3: Welcome to Vale Park. Wickham Wanderers back in League One action, taking on Port Vale here up in Burslem in Stoke. It's a grey old day, but it's not raining and it's not freezing cold and the football is back. Freeman's gone across as well but Abita whips across cross in. it's a looper Ooh. oh it's not dealt with and Wheeler on the volley that's a great Ooh. tackle by Benning who got the ball cleanly took Wheeler as well but Bokes wins it back Bokes goes to goal it's deflected and lands Ooh. on the roof of the net and it's a corner to Wickham Wanderers and Port Vale nearly the architects of their own downfall there but didn't he do it well he got past one drew the keeper and then just nonchalantly pokes it into the bottom corner it's Port Vale nil Wickham one yeah you could
2: see as soon as Wickham turned the ball over that you know Brandon Hanlon was alive and he was running in behind and that's really, you know, what you get with Brandon Hanlon, he's such a good runner in behind, he's strong, he's never really been a hold-up player I don't think, but he's so good in those transitional moments.
3: Brilliant stuff from Brandon Hanlon, but the ball from Lewis Wing, left it wing, was yeah. the early release of the pass, it looks a simple pass from up here, but it was the timing of it that was bang on, on the halfway line, left hand side for Vale ball forwards in the end from him. Massey's on the floor as well. And Wickham clear up to Vokes. And Vokes has got an enormous amount of space to run into. Vokes is still going. Still going, Sam Vokes. goes for goal, left-footed, charged down by Smith. Great run from Vokes there, wasn't it? Vokes gets a whack on the head with his flick on, but Wickham continue the attack with Freeman. Wheeler on oh. the first-time shot. Goes for a cross. That was a fizzing effort, wasn't it, Phil? Skidded off the turf. I say skidded, it sort of bobbled through the... Uh, very sort of uneven penalty area and went past the post but he hit it well <laughs> it don't don't a, a beater on the left wing cuts it back looking for McCleary big shout for handball and he's given it oh. it's a penalty to Wicker Wanderers handball McCleary went for the header and the referee perfect line of sight And Joe Jacobson makes his way towards the penalty area to take this penalty, 77 minutes. Joe Jacobson, can he double Wickham's advantage from the penalty spot? Referee makes sure everyone's outside the area, keeper's on his line, blows his whistle, Joe Jacobson then left-footed approaches the ball and scores! Joe Jacobson for his second goal of the season runs to the Wickham Wanderers fans. Hug Sam and, and Wickham Wanderers have doubled their advantage. It's Port Vale nil, Wickham Wanderers two and the skipper from the penalty spot. Wickham have the ball in the penalty area now with McCleary. McCleary step over after step over. Oh, oh! Gareth McCleary. Wow. There's some icing on the cake. McCleary bringing all the skills out of the locker and then left-footed rifles it into the top corner keeper Jack Stevens with no chance and it's Port Vale nil Wickle-Mondras three and the car park is getting very busy. Chem Campbell under pressure sees the game out and the full-time whistle goes and wickle Wanderers have got an impressive three points on the road a 3-0 victory here against a dogged Port Vale team who left everything out on the pitch for their manager, Daryl Clark, but will leave you with the full-time score here at Vale Park.
2: Port Vale nil. We come Wanderers 3. Have a great weekend. Those were your highlights from Saturday. Let's get your match debrief for this week with Mr Phil Couchpole. Evening, Phil. How are you doing? Those were your highlights from Saturday. Let's get your match debrief for this week with Mr Phil Couchpole. Evening, Phil. How are you doing?
3: Good evening, yeah, very well, thank you. uh, Fresh off that win, feeling good.
2: Yeah, a win and a clean sheet, it really couldn't have gone much better. Yeah, exactly that,
3: and it's been such a weird month. It's consecutive 3-0 away wins, and I can't remember the last time we did that. Um, But obviously the the away game before uh, Port Vale was on New Year's Day at Peterborough, so it feels like a very long time ago already. But uh, that's been the disjointed nature of, of this month and this part of the season, which I think this gives the team even more credit really for adapting to the to the lack of game time, uh, some of which they knew about, um, some of which happened uh with the Cups and they were able to adapt. And then the, the postponement of the Bristol Rovers um was the day before, so it was very frustrating. Um but they've kept their heads together, they've kept their performances ticking over, they've stayed match sharp, which I think is a real challenge. Um, so, yeah, and you know, three goals on Saturday, uh, a comprehensive victory and what looked a really tricky uh, fixture, uh, a tricky pitch, a big pitch, uh, a competitive team, a team that likes to take risks. Um, but I thought Wickham dealt with it really, really well and I think really important as well, the first game of the post-Anis Fometti era uh, to score three goals on the road was perfect because um, any, it laid any fears of creativity or goal-scoring issues uh, Brandon Hanlon's strike, wonderful, good build-up play and he had a lot to do from the pass from Lewis Wing but did it really well. Um, you know, the penalty from Joe Jacobson, uh, ever reliable and then the goal from Gareth McCleary, well, fantastic really. Uh, Annie Sue, I guess you could say after that. Um, but yeah, you know, 35 years old and, and still playing like he's in his mid-20s. So, uh, understandably, I spoke to Gareth Ainsleff after the game, he was very, very happy. Uh, Gareth, uh, second 3-0 win on the road for the chair Boys. Uh, it's been a good start to the year.
4: Yeah, really good start, you know, and uh, obviously it's a, a bittersweet win for me because this is a place that gave me so much. Uh, um, but I'm sure the Port Vale fans know what I was about and uh, and winning was important. And uh, I thought the boys were fantastic today. I thought they were um, really well organised. I don't think Max has had a serious save to make in, in all the game. I don't think he's, he's had I mean, maybe one shot on target from range, but um, came for things thought we defended really well. The, the strikers will get the uh, the credit today, you know, because they were fantastic. I mean, the, the chances and the goals they've taken are, have been good. But um, the uh, the defenders, you know, we got our first head on on everything. Losing Ryan he was a blow after 20 minutes. But it, it sort of was seamless, the way Jack Grimm has been playing this season, you know, in any, every and every, any position. Um, but Port Vale, the pitch is, is really difficult to play on. And uh, we said at half-time that we're going to have to stop trying to play... Um, in that middle area um, Vale set out to go very long at the start and we knew what they were trying to do getting behind us with Massey and his runs and once we contained that I thought there was uh, there was threats for us then going the other way because they, they leave they, they, they go for it you know they really do gamble sometimes in their attacks and uh, and we, we sort of noticed that midweek and, and thought if we can leave Brandon Hanlon at times one on one or two on two, we may be able to you know, exploit the space behind and and that was the first goal. Um and then they'll have nothing to lose really, so the comment is even more and then the gaps appear and, and I thought the boys were, were very good at um plugging those gaps but then countering the other way and uh, Gareth McCleary, I mean, he's he's been incredible. Not being starting for the last couple of games, he's just been a, a model professional. Um and when you put him on he's uh He's, you know, he's playing like he's playing in the playground out there. A fantastic goal, um, great header for the penalty, you know, um, and setting up David Wheeler. Chem Campbell came on, looked exciting. Um, in a good place at the moment, but um, one one game doesn't make a, doesn't make a season, as I always say. And we've got to make sure we're consistent. And uh, got a huge game next week against Derby County, and that's uh, that's going to be uh, very telling, I think, towards the uh, the playoff places some
3: real grit in there as well because credit to Daryl Clark the double sub on 55 minutes he got the fans up as well
4: When there was a real period where you had to weather a storm and you got through it yeah they had a five minute spell where he put his subs on and I thought they were well on top of us and uh, so I had to change and I brought Curtis Thompson on which was a defensive midfielder I thought in that middle of the park Nick Freeman great ball player Great on the ball sometimes and glides past people, but it wasn't that kind of game. Curtis Thompson, we all know what Curtis is about, you know. He'll win every second ball that there is in there, and his energy, um, you know, with with Lewis winging that middle. I thought we uh, and, and Josh, obviously, you know, we know what Josh gives us. It's I, I, I stop mentioning him now because he's that he's that good every game. So uh, it was uh, it was really about winning those second balls, winning those knockdowns, and then that quality going forward. Vox is a good target man to have, a good pinner, and uh, and he put. He put the boys in behind a couple of times and I right, glad to say we got the win. Um but you know, awesome to come back and awesome reception both at the start and the end of the game and um yeah, a special place for me. But um we'll go down the road happy with the three points. Uh, I'm sure Darrell will get his team rallied. They've signed some good players in the window and uh, and I'm I'm pretty sure that this team will start picking up and uh, and finish high in this league. Um for us it, it was a, it was a day where we wanted to come and get the results because I think they're lacking a few strikers a couple of injuries and, uh, and we wanted to take full advantage of that Well
3: we've got to give a shout out to Wiccan fan Alex Tustin because he tweeted uh, before the game he said what I'd love to see Chem Campbell come on with 15 minutes to go when we're 3-0 up and uh, is that a perfect situation for you to
4: bring on a, a player for their debut that was, that was that's how I managed it that's what I wanted I'm <laughs> only joking nah it was uh, it was um, I feel sorry for TJ to because TJ is probably a more natural replacement for Sam Volks but TJ knows he's part of this and TJ I said to him in the dressing room look I wanted to give Chem a feel of what this is like to be in this Wickham side um, and I thought Chem came on and looked very exciting you know he looked like he's going to take players and he's going to get he's going to get fouls he's going to get shots on goal and crosses and um, TJ's been brilliant and he's uh, we know we all know what that, that young Jervelton's all about you know he's uh, he's all for Wickham. but um no I thought it was a, a cagey game um the subs definitely made impacts both sides um but I'm just glad to get the win and uh, hopefully we can carry this on next week
3: and the only fly in the ointment was that injury to Ryan Taffer's audit It looked to be a quick decision to make the sub. Uh, is it something you're, you're concerned about? Yeah.
4: So it's, it's early days, you know. Taff has felt something in, uh, in his leg, and we've got to make sure that we uh, we don't give any information, wrong information, out about any medical incidents. Uh, we'll find out what it is this week, and I'm, I'm sure we'd first to know. But with Alfie struggling as well a little bit, we've got to make sure that centre half were are covered. Um, we we will be because I've got the uh, super Jack Grimmer this season. He'll play anywhere for me, and uh, and he, he's been outstanding. But um, now, from, uh, from 1 to 18 who travelled today, can't thank them enough. They were, they were awesome and uh, I thought we deserved the win today.
2: As you mentioned, second goal uh, came through a penalty, the first in the league for Wickham since December 2021. Uh, you and Gab on Saturday were saying how nice it was today to see Jacobson taking the goal, but also how cool and collective he was while taking it.
3: Yeah, he's been, you know, he, he has he has missed a couple um, in his very long time with Wickham, but he's scored some incredibly important ones uh, down the years as well. Uh, who can forget that night at Wembley um, against Oxford, the Joe Jacobson penalty with all that pressure riding on it. Um, so if you can get through that, I think you can get through anything. Um, and yeah, ever reliable. Um, but we should really talk about his defensive cover as well, because we played, I think, well over 60 minutes of the game with essentially three fullbacks by trade at uh, uh, centre-back. Jack Grimmer, Jason McCarthy and Joe Jacobson, although uh, JJ's probably been playing left of a three for a little while now. Uh, uh, Jack went into the middle, Jason came on on the right-hand side because Taff has already had to go off injured. Um, so, yeah, at the moment, it's looking a little bit threadbare in terms of centre-backs. Alfie Mawson's been out for a little while now. It looks like Taff... Uh, we'll have to await news and we all know what that's like coming from Gareth so. uh And then big Chris Farino's on his way back. But again, no f- firm date on that. Um, but the, the, the clean sheets uh, keep coming and I think it's two goals let in on the road now in the last eight games which is phenomenal Um, but yeah I mean I spoke to JJ after the game about his goal scoring exploits but also about that clean sheet as well which is super important Uh, Joe 3-0 on the roads, and you scored a penalty in front of the 319 travelling fans as well a lovely day
0: a great day yeah Um, as far as away days go um, this comes to pretty much a perfect kind of performance similar to a couple of weeks ago at peterborough when when we did similar things so um we knew today's is is going to be tough they're they're you know strong outfit they battle really well and and they're they're really attacking the way they set up and and kind of leave 2v2s and 3v3s um at the back so we we had to make sure that we were solid defensively and you know it was it was tough for 70 75 minutes whatever it was and as soon as we got the second and third i think then it kind of became a lot more easier but um, tough game great win great atmosphere from our fans and yeah good day for us
3: and a good performance at the back as well in the clean sheet uh, especially after losing Taff in the 24th minute
0: yeah um, you know first of all I hope he's alright um, you know obviously those guys will, will look into that and, and see what the problem is but um, yeah when it helped a little bit they, they didn't really necessarily have a big target man Um and you know, Jason came on, who, who was awesome last week, and um, just slotted straight in. So um, you know, with with Jordan and, and Wheels at wing backs, we we kind of had them to to look after their front kind of four, as it were, that we we sorted out. So yeah, it was, it was sometimes we we get those situations where you have to adapt, and we did that really well today.
3: You check Gareth McLeary's passport. Is he really mid-30s? What a goal.
0: <laughs> he's, uh, well, I can't say anything because he's younger than me, isn't he? So, uh yeah, look, again, GMAC probably feels, you know, desperate to be in the starting 11 and he came on and, and that's what you want from your substitutes, isn't it? To come on, impact the game, change it. And I thought when he came on, the, the pace he showed in behind was was frightening them so much that eventually they, they give him enough room and what goal with his left foot? And, um you know, it's, so much that he, he deserved that uh, today and we've been having a go at him for missing the one with his right foot so to put that one out, it was, was nice.
3: Might be checking your passport as well a clean sheet and a goal. Uh, it's been a while since you had a penalty isn't it do you know how long?
0: No 420 days <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so you just told me um, yeah it's been a while it's um, yeah it's weird because we I still every now and again we'll take them in training and then be like right tomorrow and do doing this and then you forget about it and um it's only when the ref blows for the for the penalty and you're like oh actually we've got one here what what do I do with it and um fortunately it went in and I think that second goal is really important just to take the wind out their sails a little bit and settle us down and, and we could just sit in a shape and, and see out the rest of the game
3: well it's a bit under the radar as well because I guess if they've done their research on where the penalty takers go they've had to go back quite a long way
0: yeah, and I, I spoke to their keeper after the game and he, he kind of said I stood still because I remember what you did at Wembley. So they were going back a few years. Um, but yeah, that didn't go through my mind. It was just trying to just get the goal. Um, you know, I've, I've missed, missed them before, but I was confident I was going to score and thankfully it went in.
3: And a debut for Chem Campbell as well. Almost the perfect scenario <clears> for him to come on 3-0 up, uh, attacking the, uh, the end with the, home, uh, the away fans. So a good opportunity for him to introduce himself.
0: Yeah, he's, he's looked really lively this week since he's come in. He's, he's settled in really well. He seems like a really nice guy. So um, we're excited to see what he can bring. Um, he had one run where I was actually screaming for him to go down and take one of the fouls that three or four of their players tried to hack him down. But I think that shows what he's about. He's young, he's hungry, he wants to excite. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see more of him in the, in the Wickham ship.
3: And defensively, Wickham been absolutely resolute. I think he's only two conceded in the last eight on the road. Uh, that's a record that will surely file him into the top six if we keep this up.
0: Hope so. It's something that since I've been at the club, we've we've always worked hard on uh, our defensive unit. And earlier on in the season, we spoke about not getting as many clean sheets. and And when we have conceded, we've conceded in kind of clusters and twos and threes. So we wanted to make sure that didn't happen. The last ten games, I saw we, before today, we conceded four goals, maybe. So um, yeah, we, we've been doing really well at the minute. And, and especially, you know, Gafford changes shape, changes the lineup, and we've got players you can slot in and and not look out of place. So it's a good place to be at the minute with the the squad we've got the tight-knit the solid squad and yeah excited for the rest of the season
2: Great to see Joe scoring on Saturday from that penalty and you mentioned about the defence we mentioned about Jack Grimmer a couple of weeks ago you spoke to him as well uh, on, on Burns Night and his birthday um, but something that a lot of fans were saying on Saturday was that he was immense once again and he's also becoming a character That something that Gareth said that he wanted to see more players becoming uh, at the beginning of the season after Stockdale and, and Bayo left and he really is becoming that character, not only on the pitch, but off the pitch as well.
3: Yeah, it's a really good point you've noticed there, Luke. I think, you know, his form on the pitch, he's really grown into this season. It's been getting stronger and stronger as the season's gone on. He's been adaptable because he's been at right back. He's been at right centre back. He's been right of a three. And on Saturday, he was centre of a three. Um, but I think also you're right to pinpoint. I think he's now one of the strong characters. Uh, you know, he's late 20s now. He's been around the block a bit. Uh, he's been there and done it with Wickham and, and Coventry as well, let's not forget, and played at a high level with Fulham. Um, so I think he's now one of those sort of recognised senior voices that's filling up uh, some of the uh, airspace, as Gareth Ainsworth called it the other month, uh, left by Adebaywak and Femmer and David Stockdale. Um, and it's really great to see. It's good to see players evolve and step up uh, on and off the pitch. Um, But, yeah, I think he's going to be key to Wickham achieving anything this season. And, you know, as you'd expect, they're all fiercely competitive and and none more so than Jack Rimmer.
2: We saw Jem Campbell making his first appearance for Wickham Wanderers, as we heard predicted by Alex Tustin. Um, But a lot of fans were very happy with what they saw. Yeah,
3: perfect scenario for him to come on, really, because. Obviously, the pressure was to keep the clean sheet. The team didn't want to concede um, and he was a part of that. You know, they defend as a unit um, from, from front to back. Um, but he came on and, and gave just fans a glimpse of what they can expect. Um, you know, he's quick. He likes to take on a player. Uh, he can drop his shoulder. He's got he's got some tricks as well. Um, so, yeah, we looked forward to seeing more and more of him. But that was a perfect introduction for him, really, because, like I said, at 3-0, the game was essentially won. And it was just about keeping that um, that clean sheet. Uh, and he was able to play his part in that as well in the late stages.
2: We spoke about Anastameti and the worries around um, him not being part of the team anymore and what that would do to the to the dynamics. But also with Chem coming in in January, people worried about him, you know, only having a couple of days before the game on Saturday. But from what we saw in training as well on Wanderers TV and also on Saturday, that doesn't seem to be the case.
3: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised to see him start on the bench on Saturday. It was a tricky pitch. Um, and like, yeah, it gave him just sort of a few days going into the, uh, into that game to kind of get to know uh, what, what it's about to play for Wickham. Uh, he's got a taste of it now on game day. Um, so I think he's a lot further down the line than he was last week with us, which is fantastic. Um, and let's not forget, there's a lot of games to go yet. There's 18 games left now, 54 points to play for. And uh, hopefully he can play a, a massive part in this season for us.
2: And looking at the games coming up, obviously Derby County on Saturday, but they're all teams that are around us in the in the league. They're already in the playoff positions or we'll just blow them like Wickham. We want to win all the games, but these games really are must-wins.
3: They're huge. Um, and this is what it's all about, about being at the top end of the table. And, you know, it's nice. We've got Ackerman Stanley next week as well, who I, I saw they drew with Port Vale last night and had a player sent off. They've got a centre-back crisis. They're having to really have must-win games and string results together because they're in the relegation zone. Um, So it's lovely not to have that pressure. Uh, The pressure of being at the top is uh, is slightly different, but it's still pressure nonetheless. Um, But Derby County, uh, they'll feel the pressure as well because they're on a tremendous run and that run has got them in contention now. So now all of a sudden, their fans are thinking, well, this could be our season to get back at a first attempt after all the troubles they've had. Uh, So all of a sudden, they're under a bit of pressure now as well. It's a nice pressure, of course it is, Um, but we'll see what happens on Saturday. It's a massive, massive game. Uh, Paul Ward and Gareth Fainsworth, a lot of respect between the two. Um, I think it'll be a tight one. Um, but, you know, we look look down the, the fixtures that come Tuesday night, away at Accrington, it's never easy there. And then it's another massive, massive game when it comes to the top six when we host Bolton at home. Um, so, yeah, it's just great to, to have these games now. And, and rather than sort of feel the pressure, I think we should just enjoy the fact that these games have got so much riding on them because we're involved at the top end.
2: As you mentioned, lots of games coming up on a Saturday and Tuesday evening because of the quietness of January uh, for Wickham. And obviously, still a lot of players to come back to the side that have been injured and fans are going to be wanting to see them coming back as soon as possible.
3: Yeah, they'll be working very, very hard up at the trading ground. um, But they won't take any risks if it's not right for the player physically. They won't want to risk any any sort of longer-term damage. Um, we've we've got through this already this season with the midfield injury crisis and now we've got Curtis Thompson back and looking looking back at his best after a decent cameo on Saturday as well. Lewis Wig and Josh going in really good form in there too. To go Fainsworth has now got selection headaches in the midfield and, and up front, uh, not so much at the back uh, in terms of having to choose who's going to play at the moment, but they'll be working hard to get those defenders back and back in the squad because... If everyone's fit, we know what a talented squad it is. It just needs a bit of luck now between now and the end of the season uh, to make sure that he's got the strongest squad to pick from as possible.
2: And I'm sure a lot of people would have seen Martin O'Neill's tweet uh, from the other day on his 33rd anniversary of becoming Wiccan Wanderers manager. A time at a club that a lot of people remember fondly.
3: Yeah, yeah, mixed emotions for me because I'm old enough to remember it very well.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, I didn't want to say that. (laughs) But
3: equally, incredibly lucky to have been around at that time and to have, I've been a young fan, um, you know, with the season ticket, watching all those games week in, week out and and feeling invincible, which is what he did when Martin O'Neill was the manager. Um, so, yeah, 33 years has flown by and, and what a fabulous career he went on to have and, and may you yet still have. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't read it, the book's fantastic. Uh, fully recommend it. The, the, the stuff on Wickham is brilliant, as you'd expect, um, but lovely to see as well that... Uh, both in the book and in that tweet yesterday what a massive part Wickham Wanderers has played in the life of Martin O'Neill and, and how much he respects that and how he always he's never shy to regard that either so it's, it's great to see one of our finest ever managers um, you know respecting the club as he does
2: yeah always great to hear former managers and players sharing their memories of their time at the club as we've heard many times here um, on the Wickham Wanderers show looking ahead to Saturday though it's going to be a busy one at Adams Park lots of tickets selling both home and away it's going to be a great atmosphere
3: yeah, yeah, the, the away fans will be out in force as well and they'll be very loud. Um, you know, there's a bit of history with this fixture now. Uh, it's the first time a derby can play at Adams Park with fans there, um, which will be great. Um, but Wiccan fans need to step up on Saturday and uh, match them and more than match them. They're the home team. Um, so, yeah, if you're thinking about going, get yourself a ticket, get down and, and get behind the boys and, and play your part in, in what will hopefully. Be a massive game as the season unfolds.
2: And if you're not going to the game, uh, but you're listening on one hundred six point six FM or on Wanderers TV, Phil, you'll be joined by Danny Sender.
3: Yeah, yeah, always great to have Danny with us um, because you know, he's doing his pro license at the moment. He, he he speaks so well about the game. He sees things uh, as a former player would do um, a lot earlier than I do. He sees things that the you know me and the average fan don't see, and he explains it very well. So he's uh, he's a joy to have up there on the gantry, um, and looking forward to doing another game with him.
2: Thank you, Phil. As always, uh, I see you on Saturday. And uh, don't worry, if you leave anything with us at the gazebo, I will climb the Frank Adams stand uh, and bring it to you while people stare at me going, why are you turning up so late to the game?
3: Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you very much.
2: online on radio player and on 106.6 fm this is wickham sound second part of this week's wickham wonder show hope you are doing well as always me and phil spoke uh, for far too long so if you want to hear an extended chat with uh, both of us then uh, listen to the podcast and if you're doing that hello hope you enjoyed it uh, still to come wickham wanderers women reserves and also a trip to new Zealand. Uh, but now it's time for our former Wickham Wanderers player, Chat of the Week, uh, with thanks as always to the X-Players Association. And this week, Colin caught up with former midfielder Scott Donnelly and asked first how he joined the club.
5: I think I joined on loan 2011 uh, in League Two. And um, yeah, uh, Gary Waddock inquired about taking me on loan and then... It sort of happened really quick because I was in Swansea at the time, so I had to try and get back this sort of way, which is sort of a bit more local for me. And and um, and then yeah, then was able to get the loan sorted and and get some playing time, which was nice.
1: No, of course, and it must have been fantastic to have been in, you know involved in the side that won you know automatic promotion uh, from League Two as well.
5: Yeah, I mean, it was it was it got a bit tighter towards the end. We had quite a quite a tricky run in uh, at the end of the season, so. Um, it sort of got a bit tired What was that last third automatic promotion spot? But we managed to win on the last game of the season, which was nice to to get promoted.
1: And of course, uh, you were involved in you know such a, a team with people like Nicky Bull, of course, uh, and Kevin Betsy, and, and Matt Bloomfield, who's only sort of just recently left, and uh, another Scott Rendell as well, and Stuart Lewis, uh, and, and also Gareth Ainsworth, of course, who who I guess you were in sort of competition for really in the in the right hand side of midfield.
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, guys I knew for. For a long time, um, when I came through at QPR, Gaz was a player there, so I, I sort of knew him quite well from there. And, um, and obviously going to, going to Wicca, it was nice to see someone that I knew um, amongst others. I, I knew I'd played alongside a few few of like the other players that were there at the time, but then Gaz was a bit more of an experienced head when I turned up. So yeah, obviously I, I, I sort of played wide and, and, and central, so there was there was quite a lot of competition in in the squad which obviously made for a made for a competitive squad which ultimately led to to being able to get promoted which was nice.
1: Are there any particular kind of games or moments that really stand out?
5: Probably South End at home the last game of the season. Obviously we knew if we won we we was promoted and um and then I think we went behind in the first sort of few minutes which which was a bit disastrous start but we sort of had a good character about ourselves and, and I was able to score the equaliser, which was nice. And then we went on and one three one. one It was a really nice day celebrating after the game, uh, winning promotion with the fans. It was, it was uh, a pretty full house, so it was it was really nice. That's probably the one that lives out the most for me.
1: And obviously you mentioned that you knew Gareth, and I guess it's not really a surprise uh, to you that he'd go on and be a manager, uh, but but uh, to have been at the club for so long as well.
5: Yeah, I mean, Gaz has always had a great sort of... Um, way with the fans, he's always been a fans favourite I'm pretty sure most clubs he's been at I know the two that I've played with him at he's been a fans favourite so he's um, I'm not surprised that he's doing what he's doing, um, he's, he's got a, a squad and I can only assume that the way he was as a player which was 100% commitment and effort and, and desire to win games is, is, is what he, he passes over to, to his players every, every, every day in training and every week on when, a when Saturday afternoon
1: I imagine someone who's quite similar to being in a dressing room with yeah both as a player and, and as a manager really as you say a real team player and a motivator as well.
5: Yeah, I mean Gaz was you'd never know if Gaz was actually starting the game or whether he was on the bench he never showed any obviously every player wants to play play the games but he the way he he dealt with not playing he never showed the disappointment or the negative attitude that some players can do. He was always the first in the changing room still um get everyone prepared and and knowing that if if things weren't going our way, that he'd be 100% ready to come on the pitch and and contribute in in any way that he could.
1: And I imagine you really enjoy playing under Gary Waddock as well.
5: Yeah, so Gary obviously I'd known for, for so many years. He was my youth team coach at QPR and then my manager at Aldershot. And obviously I, I that's really how the the link with the, with Wickham happened. And um and yeah, G- Gary was uh, the one manager that I sort of played my best football under. And uh, he always managed to get the best out of me, and um, and had, he I think he he done really well when we were there and the squad that we had he, he definitely achieved what he set out to do. The next year in League One was wasn't an easy wasn't an easy year, but he um, he's a fantastic coach and and a good man manager as well.
1: I think there's something really nice in there when when managers bring in players that they've worked with at other clubs and think you know they'll they'll be able to do do a job for me in, in my current role.
5: Yeah, I mean, it, it takes a lot of trust, obviously, from a manager because you obviously it's their job, and ultimately they choose the team, and and they've got to put a lot of trust in in the players to to go on a pitch that will keep their job, so to speak. Because if results don't go their way, it tends to be the managers that that go first, not not the players. So when when a manager does have trust in you, um, and I think Gary proved that a lot with with the players that he brought in. Obviously, he knew Gaz from. From QPR, he knew Nicky Ball from Aldershot. He knew Dave Winfield from Aldershot. knew myself from Aldershot and QPR. So, you know, you you learn who you can trust, and he obviously trusted us as a group of players to to that he would back us to go and do what ultimately he, he wanted us to do.
1: And as you say, you played quite a few a few clubs and gave you know great gave great service. And I guess you must be quite disappointed overall to, to sort of end it with with injury recently. But also looking back with with quite a bit of pride on, on what you've achieved.
5: Yeah, I mean it was. I knew this season was always going to be my last season. I was just trying to maybe see it out until the end of until the end of the year or the end of the season. But yeah, my body was hurting too much after games and the day after games and. My work is quite physical now, so I needed to make, and it's obviously my main source of income now that football's not not there for me. So I needed to make sure that I was able to work every day. And and some days after a game on a Tuesday night, it was it was it was very difficult on a Wednesday, so I had to um, I had to sort of knock on the head really. But yeah, I'm I'm proud of what I achieved, obviously professionally and semi-professionally. So I, I feel like my career was. If you'd, if someone had said that to me when I was a youngster in school, I'd have definitely taken it.
6: And fans I'd be
1: interested to know you're doing carpentry, which is, must be something that you enjoy.
5: Yeah, I mean I'm working yeah in in sort of carpentry, bespoke sort of furniture and kitchens and, and wardrobes. Funny enough, one of one of my best mates, his 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 mate uh, it's his company and and yeah, some of the work that he does is, is incredible. So it's uh, it's really enjoyable and I, I enjoy getting up and going to work every day and. And 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 grafting for the day in a in a different way to what I'm sort of used to with football, but it's it's very rewarding. The, the work we do, the projects we do, and, and the houses we that we work in are, are very very nice. So it is it is really a really nice job to do.
1: And you've got three children. I understand at least one of them could be uh, following in your footsteps.
5: Yeah, um, my eldest. Yeah, he he loves football. He's driven by football. He used to love coming to watch me, and and towards the end he used to come to the. Come to training when he was on school holidays and stuff, which was which was nice for him. And he's very driven to to be a professional footballer. He lives and lives and breathes it. So obviously, that's sort of what you need to do to to hopefully achieve it. But he's um I'm just in, as long as he enjoys playing football. That's that's sort of all I worry about and, and want him to do.
1: And overall, how do you look back at your your time out with him?
5: Oh, very successful. Uh, I was just in the way that it ended. Obviously, the second year when we was in League One, it was. It was difficult. we knew the step up was going to be hard um but the first year when i joined it it was it was fantastic i was i was joining a team that was flying high in league two and and was hoping to help as as much as possible when I was putting the team to to play well and and do what i could and then the second year and obviously we went on to to get promoted but then the second year unfortunately when i did my um my a c l it was sort of Put a bit of a damper on it because obviously the end of the season was ended in relegation, which was a bit disappointing. But overall, no, I loved every minute that I was at the club, from the training ground to the to the games. You know, the fans were brilliant, the staff at the club were amazing, and it was it was a fantastic place to play football.
1: And obviously, injury is is a part of the game, isn't it? but you must have it must be so difficult to kind of deal with if you like as well, and so frustrating.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think to sort of. Two to three major injuries in my career, but they were always at crucial times in my career where it sort of stopped me in my tracks um and obviously the one at Wickham, i was i was playing well i i would scored a few goals and and i was i was i was doing okay personally in a team that we weren't we wasn't doing amazing but we were, we were competitive we were we were we were in games it was just we just sometimes couldn't get it over the line and um yeah, and then my knee went and that was as a big I was really gutted because that season I'd, I'd worked very hard in the off season, and, and you sort of think it's just over instantly. So it was it was a big gutter and a bit of a disappointment, and ultimately one that I struggled to get over really because once I had a big injury like that, I was out of contract. So it made it really difficult to persuade somebody that was that I'd persuade a club that I was fit to play again.
1: And you must look, uh, obviously, out for Wickham's results and, and so pleased to see them in the Championship recently. And, and I guess you feel really a part of, sort of laying the foundations to, to sort of where they are now as well.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, all my ex-clubs I check, but Wickham's normally the first one that I go to. Normally they're in my accumulator, actually, most weeks. So <laughs> that's normally why I check them first. But, but no, the year they got up was obviously that world was in chaos with, um, with COVID. But the year they went up to the Championship, I think they thought... By far and away, in everybody's wildest dreams. And that's putting no disrespect on Wickham at all. It's a huge club and a, and a fantastic club. But when you look at the some of the clubs that were in the championship at that time, it was amazing to see Wickham competing and, and winning games and 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 doing well. Obviously, unfortunately, did get relegated. But I'm, I have no doubts that they'll be they'll be back there again. And this season could it, it could happen.
1: And are you still in touch with with many of your, your teammates from your time?
5: Um, yeah, there's a few that you speak to on social media and bits and pieces. It's um, obviously I've got uh, the sort of lower that I go down. I see I sort of staying close friends with them. But no, I speak to a few. It was only yesterday, funny enough that I was talking to John Hall's on Instagram actually, who who, who played for Wickham as well. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I obviously went and played alongside Nicky Ball when he was a manager at Margate. Scott Rendell, I, I, I've, I've played golf with bits and pieces and and, and spoke to him not too long ago. So yeah, it is um, you do you do speak here and there with with people, but it's it's so hard because life takes you off in so many different directions. It, it does make it difficult to stay in touch with everybody.
1: No, definitely. Well, I'm sure fans will be uh, really pleased to sort of hear from you and uh, hear things are going well. So, uh, Brinch chat to you. Thank you so much for your time.
5: No problem at all. Thanks very
2: much. And as always, a big thank you to the X-Players Association. From former chair boys to the chair girls, uh, Colin spoke to Ellen Dean, who does admin and welfare support uh, for Wickham Wanderers Women Reserves and finds out uh, a little bit more about behind the scenes of the chair girls and first asked how she got involved with the
7: club. Essentially, I came in as team admin. Um, so I helped support Jamie with keeping track of his team sheet every week and um, sort of writing down the players that we've got, subs, goal times, all that sort of thing, ready to send off to the league and also support with going to league meetings. And then fairly recently, I've taken on the role of player welfare for our team. So if there's any any issues on the pitch, off the pitch or, you know, in general life, then the girls know that they can come to me and uh, I can be a bit of a a sounding board or or maybe even play a a minimal role of counsellor for them just to kind of help them with any issues that they're facing. It's nice because with the coaches sort of being, well, pretty much all men on the team and it, it being sort of women's football, it's nice for them to have someone else that they can speak to that might understand things from more of their point of view.
1: No, definitely. I was going to say, it's a really sort of unsung hero sort of role because I think many people, you know, if they just watch the games, they, they, they don't realise perhaps what goes on behind the scenes, especially, as you say, in, in, in your dual role, as, as sort of both in terms of admin, but also, you know, kind of support to the players as well and, and other issues that they might be having.
7: Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. There's a lot of work and effort that goes in. And uh, if you're just sat there on a Sunday, you know, watching as a spectator, you you really don't realise how much work has to to go into everything. And I think sometimes the players miss that as well. Um, So obviously, you know, last season I was there as a spectator. uh, So I've got a very different point of view of everything this season with the work that I'm doing and and sort of uh, working quite closely with Jamie giving a little bit of assistance and things on the sideline with the girls as well when they come off of the pitch um, after taking a knock or you know if it's just a, a general subbing and things and just checking in and things like that so
1: it must be so interesting as well working with different ages and abilities
7: Yes, yeah. So we've got quite a varied um, age group with the team. We go from sixteen right through to thirty-seven. So there's a lot of experience, you know, football experience, life experience, and it's nice to see the younger members of the team sort of grow in their confidence as well by being able to mix with, you know, so many varied personalities and ages, and and everyone has a different background in terms of, you know, the work that they do and things as well. So it all melds quite well together. So I think. By having that, we've got quite a close knit team, which is a really nice feel. Um, you know, it's nice to go into a changing room and see, you know, ev- everybody is getting on there. There's no one that kind of sits back in and, you know, in the in the background as a bit of a wallflower. Everyone's encouraged to get involved and, you know, we, we try and do as many socials and things as we can as well. So after matches, we encourage everyone to stay for you know half an hour, have a drink together, whether we win or lose we still have that camaraderie which is which really really nice to see
1: and have you noticed the real growth in the well the team's uh, plural but also the club as a whole in that you know since Carl and the, uh, the other coaching team has come in and the, the sort of that set up with the under 18s the reserves and the first team as well and playing at burnham now too
7: i think this season with the role that the reserves are playing we're, we're trying to in, sort of grow the under 18s through into sort of more women's football or ladies football with the with the age groups that they'd be playing with. So uh, our role as the reserves is to facilitate the movement from the under-18s, but also from the first team through to us as well for any rehab. So by having all of those players mixed together, you can see how far each player individually is coming and then how that transverses into the, the teams themselves as well when they go out on a Sunday. And um, we try and mix it up in training. So we train twice a week, which, you know, it can be difficult trying to work that around jobs and college and, and your general everyday life. But we, we get quite a good number of players come through both nights so we can continue that on a, a you know a weekly basis. And it, it's sort of doing us really well for our position in the league this season.
1: And we've spoken to other players as well about the feeling of togetherness in the team and and that's been especially evident. I think over the, the weekend on social media there was pictures of some of the girls, you know, supporting I think it was the, the reserves supporting the under eighteens and you know the first team support some of the, the reserves as well. There's, there's a real kind of feeling of togetherness there.
7: Yeah, so we all try and get along to to matches as much as possible. So um especially if it's a home match at Burnham. So this weekend, obviously, the, the under-18s were at home playing against Millwall. So myself and a, a few of the players, we we went along to watch them. And then the first team didn't have a match at all on Sunday, weren't able to secure a friendly. So I think most of the members of the the first team came down to, to watch us. Um, and we try and encourage that as much as possible when there's not a game on to get everyone through together. Because... It's nice to see the, the players on the sidelines. At the end of the match, they'll come over and they'll help with pointers of what they've seen as well. So it's not just the, the coaches that are sort of being able to give advice. It's everyone getting in together.
1: No, definitely. And perhaps you can give us a bit more uh, detail about the, the, what you do with Jamie, because I think people might go, admin, or, hey, admin. what does that involve?
7: So Jamie obviously organises the team. Uh, he puts his strategies and his formations and stuff in place. Uh, but we have a lot of conversations about where we feel players are and what we need to do to to help those players Some of the players that come through from injury, we talk about sort of how long we would play them for, where their strengths would be in in matches. Um, So I'm almost like a sounding board for for Jamie sometimes with that. And then with the admin side of things, it's sending all of the information off about Burnham, where to find us, timings, specific footwear that you have to wear at Burnham because of the, the type of pitch that it is. And making sure that the other team are fully up to date with that before the match on a Sunday and then vice versa when we're away. It's finding all of that information out and making sure that the, the games are secured. Also speaking to the referees, making sure that the, the refs are aware of all of the information. If they've got any queries and questions, being able to answer that. I work with the refs on their invoices so that we can make sure that the, the refs get paid for, for coming and, and doing what they do for us. And then communicating anything back to the league. So. If we have any queries uh, about rules um, or if we have concerns about anything that we've seen, sometimes some dodgy pitches, sometimes some dodgy refs, uh, then we have to obviously communicate that back. So that's part of my role as admin, uh, to communicate that back uh, and also keeping our club secretary involved and up to date with all of that as well. So there's lots of different areas and lots of different people that I speak to so that we're all working together as one whole.
1: Sounds a vital role. Sounds like the whole operation will fall apart without you.
7: Well, I wouldn't go that far, but not all heroes wear capes, Colin, so, you know.
1: (laughs) And also, as you you touched on that, sort of the welfare aspect, well, that must be brilliant for, you know, girls of different ages and, and, you know, have all different kind of issues and and really feel that they've got, you know, someone to to come and chat to about that.
7: Yeah, and I think it's nice because we have um, welfare reps across all of the teams, so we'll all get together as well and we'll we'll talk about sort of maybe particular players that we've seen, uh, maybe need a bit of help with something or if we've got new players coming through, then we can discuss them between ourselves and make sure that we're giving them the support that they need to um, sort of become involved and grow into the team and make sure that they've got a support system. Um, But also as the the welfare, you know, player welfare and and, um, welfare officers as such, then we're supporting each other with anything that's happening in our own team as well. So it's nice that not only are we giving support to, to everyone else, we're also getting support back ourselves. And that's the same with uh, the, the physios that we have. So um, we've got two physios in the club. Uh, so it's it's working with them to make sure that, you know, if, if any players go to them and say, you know, I've, I've got a slight injury with this, um, then, then we know straight away that we can speak to them um, and make sure that they're not sort of worried about anything on their own.
1: And it sounds like you're in a really good position as well to kind of really watch people's progress and and, and watch them develop as players as well.
7: Yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's, you know, it's great to watch from the sidelines and and especially, you know, if you're a football fan anyway but it's a very unique position to be in when you're involved in all of this as well so it's one thing to sit on the sideline and and sort of have a look and enjoy a game or not enjoy a game so much depending on how it goes and what you're expecting but it's great to see that even if you don't necessarily have a good result you can still see the growth of the players from the match and then how they can go away and improve or, or sort of work on any of the advice that they've been given as well
1: and does it feel like a really good time to be involved?
7: It, it really does. There, there's a lot of change that's happened this season with uh, new coaches and managers coming in. And I think at the start of the season, there was potentially sort of a little bit of unsettlement with, with the changes. Just... Not knowing what the expectations are, but the the coaching and management staff that we have now are brilliant. That you know the way that they communicate through to to the teams, and I think that's particularly evident with with our reserve girls, with the position that we're in at the moment in the league, and that that's just a credit to how well they're supported, and almost you know guided by these by these coaches to to get them into the right positions.
1: Oh, that's brilliant! It's been fantastic to find out about uh, what you do, and uh, and keep up the good work.
7: Thank you very much. I'll I'll do my best.
2: Online, on radio player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Welcome back to the last part of this week's Wickham Wanderers show. Gareth Ainsworth, still to come before the end of the show. If you listen to the Saturday build up shows uh, or Rob's shows recently, then you know that Nigel Rowland has been joining us. Uh, A lifelong Wickham Wanderers fan, lives in Cardiff, travels all around the country. Uh, and this week I'm giving him a title. Schools have exchange students. Uh, Nigel is our exchange presenter uh, because Nigel works on a community radio station in Wales uh, called Bro Radio, Shumai. Uh, so he's now officially our exchange presenter. Congratulations, Nigel. Uh, anyway, over Christmas, Nigel went to New Zealand. And while he was out there, spoke to Wicker Wanderers fan Rich Barter uh, also, as you'll hear, uh, a lifelong Wigan Wanderers fan. I spoke to him about what it's like to be a Wigan Wanderers fan but not living in the UK. We hear a lot about people that, you know, love Wigan Wanderers from outside of the UK. Uh, this gives you a bit more detail on what fans do to support their club so here is Nigel talking to Rich and starting off finding out a little bit more about Rich himself
6: so I live in Rotorua which is in the central North Island so yeah if you if you imagine obviously New Zealand split into two islands I'm right slap bang in the middle of the North Island full of uh, volcanoes and geothermal activity and forests and lakes
8: so it's a great place for you to live with your family
6: it's all about the outdoors here yeah so um yeah, we've got a great, great life, outdoor living, lots of running. I'm very much into my trail running and kind of, uh, yeah, a great, a great, uh, great home for us and my, my three boys and my wife.
8: Good to hear. First off, Rich, how did you become a Wickham fan and how long have you been supporting them?
6: Well, it, I'll tell you, first of all, that I'm turning 45 next month. So that probably gives you, um or anybody listening could probably have a good stab at when I may have supported Wickham or started supporting them. And that was back in the, early 90s um like many sort of young young teenagers I got swept along with the, the those promotion seasons that we saw in or well, the promotion seasons we saw in 93 and 94 um I would have been at at Wembley um for the trophy final I'd have been at Wembley for the playoff final out of what is now called League two and yeah from somebody who actually had not a huge interest in football, Um, As a 14, 15-year-old, suddenly I found myself um, a season ticket holder. Every VHS you could walk in and buy from the store, every shirt, including kind of your Paul Hyde goalkeeper shirts. That was my teenage bedroom growing up in the 90s, yeah.
8: So you'll remember some of the names, Sean Devine, Martin Taylor, for instance, Simon Garner, uh, David Carroll, and so on, yes? Yes, yep, yep, very much so, yep. It's great that you had a chance to see your heroes before you left and and in important games and, exp- and have some of those experiences. How many years now have you been in New Zealand, Rich?
6: We moved here in 2008. Yeah, so I've been here. This will be my 15th year of living here. Yeah, so quite a while now.
8: So what were your early experiences like when you've had quite a love affair, if you like, with the football club up until that point in time and you've now moved literally halfway around the world to New Zealand and all of a sudden I would imagine at that time social media and the internet air content, etc was very sparse on the ground for you.
6: Yeah, I think probably what supporting and Wanderers from overseas would have been like in those first years would have been, you know, BBC Sport website, Find, find Wicked Wanderers. Click the link, and if you're lucky, you might get some um, you might get some match stats, goal, you know, shots or or possession. But really, yeah, very little, very little in the way of um, sort of immersing yourself in the, the the feeling or the or the content.
8: So, how has it changed for you from those early years uh, with the advent of internet-based radio, Wanderers TV, the previous EFL service prior to Wanderers TV? How has that changed how you interact with the club and what you get from the club in terms of information and uh, an experience, if you like?
6: It's huge. Yeah. So, so I think the first thing to say is the games take a typical Saturday afternoon game takes place depending on, um, depending on the season, because we obviously have a summer and a winter here and the clocks change here as well. A game might kick off at 2am or 4am. So sometimes, sometimes i'm like I said I've got three kids so sometimes i'm up and i'll set the alarm and i'll be there watching the game in the night so you get the, you get the full experience but sometimes you wake up in the morning and you're just bleary-eyed first thing you do is reach for your phone um and now you've got you know you've got Everything through through those um, the platforms you've mentioned, plus Twitter, you've got this content that's being thrown up within 24 hours of the goals that have been scored, of conversations with the manager. It's just a completely different experience. The video, uh, the video piece, and the um, the the, um, the content that's been put out through the media team in the last few years has been such high quality. It's yeah, you feel like you feel like you're a fan of you know a Manchester United or a Real Madrid. The content is of such good standard. That's how I feel.
8: I live in Wales, as you know, 150, 160 miles from AP. And years ago, you felt as if you were on the other side of the planet, because uh, although there was content locally within the Wickham area, there was not that much for me to actually exit. And you felt lucky if you got the odd bit of web-based bucks free press cuttings it was always very limited with various cycles of management for instance it also varied in terms of the amount of information that was coming from the club i'm sure you appreciate that even more being over in new zealand
6: yeah and even just as you mentioned that now i'm just laughing in inside because i'm remembering when i first came here my mum would send me at the bucks free press you know so i'd be i'd be out here and then a parcel or, or an envelope would arrive go to the end of my driveway here you have a mailbox you open up there's you know she sent me clippings from the boxery press of what you know exciting things have taken place and that and i was reading them and that's how you know it sounds strange talking about it it's like i'm describing something from another um i suppose i am another century in a way but like that's how it that's how it was you know and i've got all the i've got a drawer full of them um and, and yeah, I think I think one of the things one of the things for me is um, probably like a lot of fans, you you fall in love as a teenager and you're 100% all in on Wicked Wanderers, and you spend all your money and your time and you go to every game and you go to away games. And for me, my personal experience was that i um, probably in my 20s. I got married in my early 20s, and maybe during that period, let's say I I dropped gears. I went from like number five down to number two and I became a little bit more um, of a sort of passive fan. I, when I came here, it's a really different experience because most people in New Zealand support Liverpool or um, Manchester United, or now, you know, PSG, stuff like that. That's kind of the culture of what being in New Zealand is like. So when you say you support Wickham Wanderers, it's kind of a strange thing to them. Um and one day I bumped into or I became very good friends with a guy who was a Nottingham Forest fan. And he'd tell me about how he he would listen to Radio Nottingham in, at nighttime and he would set the alarm and at 2 a.m. he'd be listening. And I actually thought, I want to reconnect. Like I wanna, I wanna be that person, that fan that I was. I want that as part of my identity of who I am living abroad, not just um. You know, not just somebody who says, "Yeah, I support Wiccan Wanderers" when I'm asked, but somebody who's, let's bring that right back into my DNA. Let's reconnect. And I think making that decision when I did, probably a, yeah, a few years after I came here, um, along with the progression that, that you guys have seen with the media content, was just like the perfect reconnection at the perfect time for me. And um, and yeah, I've just absolutely loved falling in love once again with Wickham and just becoming becoming that fan that I was as a boy. And um now my kids, they they ask me how did Wickham get on. They're fans. And um yeah, it's been really it's been a really good reconnection. And I think that's the big piece for me as a as a fan overseas, having that opportunity, not just, you know, to to get a Bucks free press once every couple of weeks through the through the post from my mum, but like content that's just coming through that makes me feel f- fully connected.
8: So, Rich, would you say that uh, the, the supporting Wickham, if you like, has now become part of your family's experience over in New Zealand? Because certainly, from my perspective, that's how I feel at times.
6: Yeah, definitely. My kids, you know, my kids' birthdays, Christmas, they'll get they'll get a little training top or the new kit stuff like that. They want to know what's going on. You ask them who they support, they'll probably tell you Arsenal and Tottenham, but then they'll say their second team, they'll tell you Wickham Wanderers. And they will happily my I've got my um I've got my my middle boy Ruben he, he proudly wears his um Wickham Wanderers goalkeeper tops. He's probably got like three or four seasons worth pink and purple and yellow. And he wears them. He wears them to school. Anytime he's allowed to wear it to school, he wears it with his mates. And yeah, we're 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 fully yeah, we're all Wickham here, eh? Yep.
8: That's good to hear. Would I be right in saying that when we had the League One playoff final in twenty twenty, you had all the family around the TV over there and watching it live?
6: Oh, definitely, one hundred percent. Yeah, we were we were here. Um, we were in my living room. We were streaming it onto the TV in the living room. We were all sat around. The kids were screaming. Yeah, it was a it was a family affair. That's for sure.
8: So what generally speaking, would you say looking back on your supporting life, if you like, uh, what are those standout moments as a chairboy supporter?
6: Oh I remember yeah, it's a good question. I remember standing behind the goal when we played Coventry in the cup in that uh the thriller where it went it, it was uh four three, was it, in the end? Yeah. Yeah, just a riotous night in the in the stand behind the goal. Um one of those crazy, crazy evenings. I remember going away when we played Wimbledon, when Laurie Sanchez was manager. And I remember this absolute scenes there where we went through on penalties. Yep. Um, I was at the playoff. I was at the playoff final where we beat Preston. Um, I missed a couple of the absolute bangers. I missed, um, I missed the Liverpool. I was actually in New Zealand at the time traveling before I actually moved here. So I missed that one. And I missed, I was here when... Played Tottenham in the in the FA Cup, so I missed a couple of couple of those key ones. But those are my memories. I remember standing behind the goal when when Jason Cousins fired one across into the top corner and it got stuck in the stanchion. You know these these little things these little things stick in the memory. Hmm.
8: So you would say that the media content the club are currently providing has actually enhanced your experience in New Zealand. As it has allowed you to reconnect with a club you have a real passion for? Is that fair to say?
6: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think um, it's the depth, isn't it? So after after a game, there's the interviews with Gareth. You get his views. Um, you get to relive the content. You get to relive the goals. Uh, it's it's all there. It's all it's all consumable, and and that's how it is for me on on the on the morning if I've not watched the game game live which i which i do do if i've not done that i wake up and i just sit there and i just consume as much of it as i can to get a sense um and that's of course all the content that you guys are putting out but then i'll i'll be in twitter i'll be reading the fans point of views there are fans there on twitter you feel some connection with even though you're not standing next to them in the stands and yeah it's it's brilliant because i can be I can be a person who who chose a life in a different country for for various reasons, but I can still be that person who, um, yeah, was born and raised in Wickham, who stood on the stands as a kid. And, yeah, I feel, yeah, I feel complete in both, yeah, in both sides of the coin of my life, I suppose.
8: I really admire that, but here's a question for you you said that the content the club and their partners such as wickham sound wondrous tv etc have put out have really enhanced your experience however in a realistic sense is there anything the club could do to take it a stage further to enhance it further for you i think it's fair to say that what the club and the media partners are trying to do is give the best experience to all of the fans wherever they are around the world I'm also aware that you may have different issues to fans, say, in the States or South America or Africa, for instance, or the Middle East, for that matter. I'm really interested in trying to understand if there is anything you personally or those in the wider Australasia uh, area might benefit from.
6: It's hmm. a good question. I I certainly feel like sat- everything's there uh, and I'm, I'm certainly satisfied with, with all of that. I think yeah, I don't. I don't know if this is like an on the record comment or an off the record comment, but I think different countries um, have different price points for what something is seen as. Um, and so, for example, for example, here in New Zealand, you get um, you get the Premier League, and you might only pay forty dollars a month, and that's twenty pounds a month, and you get every single Premier League game. You could watch them all live, and so. So the price point, when you're comparing it, is sometimes a little bit. You're th- you're thinking for 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 that price, I can get all of that, and Wickham's, um, ten pounds per game. You know, it, so it's half the it's half a month's worth of Premier League, if you like. Yeah, and I think um, that's that doesn't actually bother me because I'm I'll pick and choose my games and I'll I'll watch like I'm coming up. I fully intend to watch Sheffield Wednesday and the big games and so forth. But I don't know if there's like a a regional price point that could ever be considered because when you put it into, when you put it in the face of the consumer, AKA the fan or me, there is, there is a, there are regional um, (laughs) costs of living, I suppose. Um, And that would be something, that would be something I would say, but in terms of content, no, I'm, I'm loving it. I love, I love switching on and listening to the games I love hearing Phil. I think, I think Wickham are very, very uh I don't want to say lucky because it's not luck. The guy's the guy's great, but we're very fortunate to have someone who's of such a high standard. So when you're listening to the games and you've got his voice on there, it's it's brilliant. You know, he's such a got such a compelling voice. He does it so well. So no, I think, I think overall the content is fantastic, yeah.
2: And there'll be an extended version of that chat as well on the podcast, which will be out tomorrow, right. Final part of the show uh, time to hear Gareth Ainsworth's thoughts ahead of Saturday. He spoke to Colin earlier on today,
4: yeah, really pleased with the results slightly you know, but each team's different, and every team we take on on an individual basis, you know, so yeah, always always planning to look at, but um, yeah, really pleased the only the only negative was obviously. Couple of players, just a couple of knocks, really, because of the pitch. More than anything, I'm I'm not surprised Port Vale have got so many injuries because uh, it's uh, it was a real draining pitch, real spongy, sandy type, you know, and uh, and that was that was tough for the boys to uh, to get through ninety minutes. So it's been about a little bit about recovery and uh, and and getting getting all the legs back for for Saturday, which again back home, brilliant, but against uh, what I think is one of the best teams in the league, you know, I think. they could nick second place Derby County. I, I really do, and uh, and I, I won't be surprised if Paul Warren does it again. But um, it's a huge club and, and far too big for League One. But um, it's uh, it's going to be a tough game. So getting the boys back in shape, ready for Saturday, and we go again will be uh, be really crucial to uh, to putting in a good performance.
1: You mentioned the knocks. How's Ryan after his injury?
4: Yeah, um, he's uh, he's okay. Uh, We've we got him assessed this week. So again, we'll, uh, we're not giving anything away. Yeah, we're trying to push him to, to get fit as quick as possible. So, yeah, we don't want to want to give any team news away. But, um, yeah, everyone, everyone will be in contention as usual. Uh, and other the fans hate it when I don't give any uh, injury updates. But uh, I'd rather keep my uh, opposition managers guessing.
1: Of course. And something else that really pleased you after the game was that the organisation of the team and, you know, the fact that uh, Max barely had a save to make pleasing in all areas of the pitch, really.
4: Absolutely. It's just just awesome, you know. Uh, the, the way we shut Port Vale out what we worked on during the week what, what came in the game and it's nice when those things come up you know we 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 worked a lot on that first goal you know the counterattack, attack the, the uh the two-on-two that Port Vale leave because they, they they attack with uh with a lot of numbers you know they really do and then how we soak that up but then how we counterattack them and uh I thought Brandon and Boxy did it really well when Gareth came on again and created so many chances so really nice to do things that you work on in training come off but uh You know, there's there's certain things you don't work on. It's just personnel on the pitch at the time. They they were brilliant and the shutout. And Mike Strait will uh, will get the credit for a clean sheet. But again, he'll be the first to credit the 11 in front of him who uh, really kept Port Vale at bay.
1: Looking ahead to Saturday, does it feel still quite strange that that Derby County are coming to Adams Park in a League One fixture?
4: Yeah, it's incredible. You know, again, I keep reminding fans of where we were. and, And I think that it's a real strength never... To to rise above where where you're from or, or or what you are, you know, keep that humility always, and uh, and where this humble side is entertaining a huge huge football club, and it'd uh, be great to have them here, and uh, and obviously it's it's brilliant for the stadium and uh, and the atmosphere. So um, I'm hoping plenty of Wickham fans turn up. I think we uh, we've just left them to the, the away end this weekend uh, because we, we're trying to trying to encourage Wiccan fans to get down and fill those extra spaces that we probably could sell. But um, we want as many Wiccan fans down as possible to uh, to make a brilliant atmosphere this Saturday.
1: It really does show how far the club's come. We've been chatting to um, Scott Donnelly on the show this week. And obviously, you know, it doesn't seem that long ago that obviously you, you were in the team then as well. And the teams you were facing then compared to you know the calibre of side and, and how far the club has come now.
4: Yeah, uh, do you know what? Even in League Two, you know, you have your your, your bigger sides. You know, your Bradford's now, and 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 like Orient's back in the day, a good side, and our friend Matt Bloomfield managing Colchester, a Championship once upon a time. So you got some big sides in that that league. Never mind the league above, which is becoming honestly, it's it's becoming a crazy league. It really is very very competitive. The the Premier League is a product at the moment. You know, it's very sort of unattainable. You can't get to it. It's it's uh, it's TV. It's it's shipped abroad left, right and centre. The championship's a great league. We've been in there, but League One and League Two, I think are so hugely accessible. So for Derby County to be coming and and, and you can actually feel the players and, and, and see the players and meet the players as they get off the bus, you know, at the games. It's it's um it's real football, you know, real really is that, that you know, that grassroots almost connection still with uh with 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 the lower leagues and and I think it's brilliant. I really do, you know. It's uh it's nice that we can give such a product of, of Derby County, Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich, Portsmouth, Charlton, Bolton barnesley all these teams in our league—and Wickham can be on, a, on an even level with them, and, and rightly so, be competing and be a warrior for these oppositions. You know, it's so so proud of where we are. You know, and uh, like I said to Wickham people, remember where we were, be humble, and uh, and and always be. Sort of striving is this team that we can achieve, you know, because uh, because we have done over the years so many times.
1: I'm really encouraging going into games like this and the upcoming fixtures as well, with with the goals that you're scoring and also not conceding either.
4: Yeah, we got a good shutout record this season, and, and we are scoring goals. And I'm sure that people, when Anis went, they were they were concerned about where the goals would come from, and people are stepping up now and scoring goals, Brandon. You know, I got a brilliant goal. GMAC always, always a threat. You know, and 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 so we, we've got this uh, this way of, of of scoring. You know, the penalty obviously with JJ, but we've got goal scorers in the team. We've got match winners in the team, and I, and I trimmed the squad down on purpose to uh, to free up some space for these match winners to come through and take their chances. And uh, and I'm really looking forward to diving and seeing what we can do about them. I'm sure they'll be uh, they'll be concerned about us, but um, they are one of the form teams in the league at the moment, and we've got to make sure that we are. At our absolute best on Saturday because uh, we want to be in the shake-up at the end of the season.
1: And as you say, it's set up for a really nice game and, and should be a brilliant atmosphere and, and great attendance and perhaps for people that haven't been to a home game for a bit to, to come along and, and see what we're coming about at the moment.
4: Well, uh, there's no bigger club in the league, maybe, Sheffield Wednesday, maybe, you know, but uh, Derby County, get down and watch watch your local side. Get down, you know. We, we took thousands and thousands to Wembley, you know, against Sunderland and uh, and we want you back. We We, we need you. And to to be able to fill the stadium as much as we can is 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 the next sort of aim. But um, it will be a slow burner, I'm sure. But teams like Derby coming to town will uh will help not help no end. And uh, you know, I, I'll say that you will have a bunch of boys that you will be proud of no matter what the score. You'll be proud of the efforts. You'll be proud of of how we go about our business. And you'll be proud that these boys know where they're from and know where this club is is at and and the roots that it has. So um. No, really, really, really pleased and uh, i looking forward to Saturday night.
2: And if you haven't already got your tickets for Saturday, www.fc.com. Uh, a couple of signings to mention for the Chairgirls before we go. Uh, Gemma Dunn signs from Andover New Street Ladies. And Amaya Navro joins from QPR and London Bees. Uh, good luck to the Chairgirls this weekend and good luck to the Chairboys as well at home at Adams Park against Derby County. We will be live in the car park from 12 o'clock. Build up to the game from 2 And live commentary on 106.6 FM and Wanderers TV from three o'clock. Have a great week, whatever you're up to. Uh, The show will be back uh, this time next week, won't it, Phil?
3: Yeah, it's a really good point, you've noticed there, Luke.
2: Thank you very much, Phil, and uh, have a great week, whatever you're up to.